where God's going to take us. I'm certain he's not going to have us preach through every one of the Psalms. But Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are introductory to the whole book of Psalms. Psalm 2 is broken down into four stanzas. They were songs originally. And the four stanzas are verses 1 through 3, then verses 4 through 6, and verses 7 through 9, and verses 10 through 12. In verses 1 through 3, the psalmist is speaking, and he says, Why do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Now, in verse 4, we begin the second stanza, and it is from God the Father's perspective. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Now the next three verses, 7 through 9, from the perspective of the king that he has set up, who is Jesus Christ. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession." Thou shalt break them with the rod of iron, and shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now the last stanza comes back from the psalmist's perspective. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Psalm 2 is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. That, that may surprise us because we are familiar with Psalm 1 much more than Psalm 2. We're familiar with Psalm 23 Psalm 46 and others, but Psalm 2 is the one that is most quoted, and, and I think as we get in and look at it, we'll, we'll understand why this is the case. You know, one of the things in the world that we live in, there are many, many, many injustices. This last week I talked with a, a good friend of mine in another state, that had um, recently lost his job. He, he wasn't a pastor, but he, he had a job, and it was an injustice that was done, um, lied about, had been very successful in the job, but because of various politics and things. And, and he said to me, he said, you know, 
I, I invested my life and, and caring and did things the right way. And he said, I really had to, when all this came down, I had to sit down and, and um, take inventory in my life. He said, you know, there's a lot of things that I can't control. But I can control my attitude. And, and I said to him, I said, you know, someday everything will be made right. Um, often in dealing with um, individuals in, in marriages that, that are just not right and encouraging each individual to do what is right and to do what is right before God. And sometimes that doesn't change things, but God will make things right. We must do what is right. Visited with someone recently that in a business dealing, things just weren't right. In fact, Literally, they they got ripped off. It wasn't right, and really there's no recourse that they can take. And in understanding, sometimes our only recourse is coming back and saying, you know what, there's coming a day when God will make things right. And I'm sure represented here in many, many lives, you've experienced injustices. And I believe one of the reasons Psalm 2 is one of the most quoted psalms of the New Testament is because it is important for us to come to realize the truths that are in this. Psalm 2 focuses on trusting God to fulfill His promises of justice when he establishes Jesus Christ as the king. You notice as we get in and look at this, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine the vain vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Number one, we see the nations have rebelled and will continue to rebel against God. David wrote this psalm not only about himself. When David had experienced um, the nations gathering around to, to deal with his ruling, but it, it conveyed much greater than that, as we'll see as we go through this, in a much deeper and more complete way, it's reference to Messiah Jesus. And just as the kings gathered in rebellion against King David, so all men have rebelled against King Jesus. And in understanding, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine the kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord? You understand, this is a spiritual warfare that 
from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, from beyond that, the rebellion that was led in heaven, and then even intensified more when God said that there would be enmity between the seed of the woman, in reference to Jesus Christ, and the serpent. There has been a war that has been taking place to try to thwart the cause of God. And that war continues today, and and we will see more coming, literally, as the kings of the earth gather themselves against the Lord, and they want to break the bands that the Lord puts the barriers that he's put for our protection. They want to break any restrictions from that and have always been in rebellion against God. It shouldn't surprise us to see decisions that are made by the nations, by our nation, because underlining it is the mentality of a Rebellion against God will throw off God's restraints. Uh, Those are old-fashioned principles that we've come much farther than that. We are much more educated. We know that this is good and this is good. And even though God says it is not, we know that it is. And they have set themselves against God. That's the world we live in, that's the world that has always been. There has always been a battle to try to um, derail the work of God, whether it's um, even after Christ was born, trying to wipe him out in killing the children, or whether it's through trying to destroy the word of God, as nations have said We are going to see a day in our nation where a Bible does not exist. All throughout it, all throughout history, man has been opposed to God to produce a violent agitation of mind, fixed and determined purposes against the decrees and the plans of God, especially in respect to Jesus Christ. That's the world that we're in. That's the rebellion of the heart. And the psalmist said, why why are they doing this? This vain thing, this empty thing that will not come to fruition because he was seeing the big picture. So we read in verse 4, the psalmist has already said they're, they're coming against God. They want to cast off the restraints. They want to bring war against God. They want to cast him down. Verse 4, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall have them in derision. The mighty men rise up. And proudly think that they are so great and so powerful. And God laughs. It's, it's not in a laughter of um, hilariousness. 
It's in a laughter of derision, a laughter of irony. He's laughing at the fact that these kings and rulers have united to shake their fist at his throne and tell him that they don't want him to rule over them. And he laughs because he knows that the very breath that they breathe is a gift of his. That their very existence goes back to him. That they wouldn't have the power, they wouldn't have the wherewithal were it not for him. And it's a, a, a laugh of, you've got to be kidding. Who is this? that thinks they can stand in the way of the one who removes kings and establishes kings and seeks to tell me, God says, that I have no room here. At this very day, wicked nations are plotting to overthrow and destroy God's anointed. But God, notice it says, He sitteth in the heavens. God Almighty Himself sits in the throne. He's calm and unthreatened, and the boldest efforts to oppose Him is ludicrous. You can read all the conspiracy reports. You can read all the workings of the kings of the earth. But the bottom line is they will fail. And God isn't even, he isn't even getting up off his throne and saying, oh man, what's going on? He sits in the throne and he's calm and he knows he's in control and it's not even a threat. It's as though you went home today and a, a group of ants met you at the door and said, you can't come in this house anymore. We've taken over this house and you have no business here. You would laugh. (laughs) Nice try. And often in our life, we look at, we look at the Obamas and the Putins and the guy in Iran and Iraq and the United Nations and, and Hillary and Trump and Branstead and on and on, and we go, oh, what's going on? And God says, I don't care, and the day is coming when every nation will gather in war against God, and God's not sweating it one bit. God is totally in control, and he is unthreatened by man. This isn't a heartless and cruel laughter. In his same infinite greatness, in which God mocks 
the efforts of man, he has the love and sympathy for man that is in his lost condition. And God, Ezekiel tells us, takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. His heart is broken. But at the same time, he is not threatened. He is great in judgment and he is great in compassion. And you will find that throughout all of Scripture. God's laughter gives us the assurance that Christ will ultimately triumph over evil. Any defiance of God and his will is an exercise of futility. God is in control and one day will bring all governments and earthly powers completely under his submission. Tonight, we're beginning just into our study on prophecy. And tonight, we'll look at at what's going to happen to help make it possible that all the nations will be gathered in war against God. But God is not threatened by it. In fact, he has established his king. Notice verse 6. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Though the nations rebel... We don't need to worry, for the king is already enthroned in heaven. Jesus Christ is God's king. God has a predetermined plan to judge man's rebellion. You notice verse 7. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. And here's God's predetermined plan. Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with the rod of iron. Thou thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. God said, My king is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He is the anointed one. And this in particular is what often is quoted in the New Testament. And God decrees that Jesus Christ, his son, is God. He is king. And by nature, by Jesus Christ's nature, by his life and resurrection, he is reigning today and he will reign for all eternity. And God's predetermined plan to judge man's rebellion, is all centered in Jesus Christ. So the psalmist concludes this by saying, Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Why? Because he is in control. He puts down kings. He raises up kings. He is in control. And he says, serve him with fear and rejoice with trembling. And then he says, kiss the son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. 
the psalmist said, we must submit to Jesus Christ while there is time. The urgency of submitting to Christ is expressed by the phrase, his wrath may soon be kindled. His wrath is kindled in but a little. It may soon be kindled. So he says, and he uses a terminology that um, the Eastern people knew and understand, kiss the sun, to kiss a person when they were appointed to be king was among their their culture as an act of homage, an act of submission, an act of worship, an act of love. So God is saying, all the nations of the earth are gathered in war against God. But God has his chosen king, and his will will be done. And only in Jesus Christ will you have the peace of God, the blessing of God. And so he says, kiss in the sense of it speaks of reconciliation, it speaks of allegiance, it speaks of honor, and it speaks of worship. So what the psalmist is saying is, Everything hinges around Jesus Christ, and you'd better make sure, we'd better make sure that we have made peace with the Father through Jesus Christ, that we have been reconciled. We, as the nations, were at war with God. We had our, our rebellious arms. We, we sang... We sang a song today, I won't take the time to find it, but oh great God, it, it mentioned in there, rebel that I am. And the only way that we can go from rebel to a child of God is if you please, is we make re- reconciliation through Jesus Christ. Kiss the Son. Receive Jesus Christ. Be born again. Be reconciled to Jesus Christ. To affirm a loyalty to Jesus Christ. To worship Jesus Christ. If we set ourselves against the Son of God and His righteousness, we will bear the wrath of God. Kiss the Son. Be made right through Jesus Christ, lest He be angry with thee. John 3 tells us the anger of the Lord, the wrath of God, already abides on mankind because we are in sin. But when we come to Jesus Christ, the wrath of God is removed. And we are in Christ. So the psalmist said, why are these nations, why are they exercising all this? And and they're out against you, God. And it's a vain thing because you are God. You give them the very air that they breathe. and, And you've enabled them. And you can take their life in a moment. And we know that you have established your King, Jesus Christ. And so he's writing this to us and reminding us 
that God is totally in control. He's unthreatened by man. He has a predetermined plan. Jesus Christ alone provides forgiveness. And Jesus Christ alone will deal with the rebellion of mankind. The scriptures tell us there's coming a day when all the nations of the earth will gather to do war against God and the exercise in futility. It won't even be a war. It will be an annihilation. Jesus Christ will come and bring the ultimate victory in complete coronation as King of kings and Lord of lords. Romans 14 and verse 11 says, There is coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is God's King. He is on the throne. Therefore, because of that, with that truth in mind, we can look at our world in turmoil. We can... Wonder what's going on with Russia and Iran pairing up together and what's going on with Israel and what's going on in our nation and what's going on with all these riots and and all this stuff that's being stirred up. Bottom line, underneath all cause of turmoil are the demonic forces of Satan in rebellion against God. And we can rest in the fact, and we can rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ is on the throne, and we who are Christians are seated with him in the heavenlies. We sing that little song, Everything's all right in my Father's house. In my Father's house, in my Father's house, everything's all right in my Father's house. There is joy, joy, joy. Can you picture? God God knows all the conniving that's going on. You and I have no idea. We hear the $4 million that was aired into flowing into Iran so that Pastor Shahid and some others could be released. We have no idea what the truth is on it, but you can know there's some finagling going on that isn't above board. God sees it all, and he's not wringing his hands. He says, you know what? That's moving right into place like I want it, and this is moving into place like I want it. And everything's all right in my father's house. He doesn't even get up out of his chair, if you please. He's seated in the heavens. And he says, look what they're trying to do now. So why should I fear? Jesus is near. He ever watches over me. Have you truly been reconciled to the Son? We, we can be confident that everything will eventually be made right. The God Almighty will one day bring all people and all nations and will make everything right. 
So someone wrote, life can be lived with joy and song amidst its heartache and its pain. For one day God will right each wrong. With peace and justice he will reign. There are many, many wrongs in this life. But we can endure life's wrongs because we know God will make all things right. And that ought to give us peace. That ought to give us rest. That ought to give us joy. That ought to cause us to serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. That ought to cause us to worship and honor and love the Son because He is the King. And He is our Savior. He is our friend. He is our Father. He is our Shepherd by faith in Jesus Christ. So rejoice today. It shouldn't surprise you. Did you hear what the UN did? Did you hear what they've done? Shouldn't surprise us. The nations of the earth have been and will be gathered in rebellion against God, and God is totally unthreatened by them. Doesn't faze him a bit. Because he says, I've got my king, and he's already crowned, he's already anointed, and it's just a matter of time. The question is, have you kissed the Son? Have you made reconciliation with God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ? Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm bought back from the wrath of God, the judgment of God. I'm brought back to Him, and, and I'm the King's kid. I'm the King's child. And he is in control. There's never a vote for him. They can't impeach him. He's permanent. Rejoice. Do you show your allegiance? Do you rejoice? Do you proclaim the redemption that you have in Christ? Don't spend your life mulling over and replaying and planning and And worrying about all the wrongs that have come in life. God is king. He will make things right. Trust him. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us today to see things from your perspective. I pray first and foremost, if there are individuals here today who have never made peace with you, Through faith in Jesus Christ, I pray today, before they leave, that they would settle that before you. That they would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. Then, Lord, I pray that as Christians, we would see the big picture. That we would understand what it's like right now in the throne room of you. That we would understand that you are unthreatened and that your will will be done completely and entirely and someday you will make everything right. May that provide a comfort. May that provide motivation. 
May that provide direction for us in our lives. And Lord, as a result, may we be faithful to you until the very end. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you're here today and you say, I am a believer. I have trusted Christ as my personal Savior. But God has challenged me today with these truths. I wish you would remember me in prayer that I would walk in the light of these truths today. That it would be evidence in how I respond to what's going on around me. Would you just slip up your hands that we could remember you in prayer? Amen. Amen. You're here today and you'd say, you know what, I, I don't know that I've kissed the sun, so to speak, as the psalmist said. I don't know that I have made peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm concerned about that. I wish you would pray for me. I'm, I'm concerned that I may not be a follower of Christ. Would you slip up your hand that we could pray for you? Are there any while we wait just a moment? Lord, I pray for these that you've challenged today. May, may our lives reflect this truth. And I pray that we would know the joy of knowing you are in control. That we'd let go of wrongs that may have been done to us. And to rest in the fact that you will make things right. And Lord, that we could serve you with gladness, that we could serve you with joy and humility of mind, and that we could glorify you through our lives. Lord, may we realize and walk in the victory that there is in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and I I think